What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Amara Bro Show. This is Amara Bro. Today we have John Tice. Finally happened. Uh, I was looking forward to this day because I know John is uh, really involved in the community and doing a lot of things for us here in Lebanon, PA. John, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. So, John, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? I mean, you you are really connected uh, around the community and uh, I know there's a lot of people that, that know about you or know you personally, but I want to know more. I want to know, you know, a little bit of your background, where you come from and so on. Actually, I was born and raised in Lebanon. Okay. Uh, so I'm a lifelong resident and I've been in business in Lebanon my whole life, uh, starting out at age 20 with a restaurant at 9th and Willow Street, the Mayflower restaurant. I bought that and operated there for a couple of years. And then I moved into the real estate space, buying homes, uh, actually bought five condemned homes and we refurbished those. So we were flipping homes almost 45 years ago, long before it became cool like it is today. <laughs> But that was my introduction to the real estate business. I bought homes, we refurbished them. We uh, put them up for sale. And when I of the five homes, we sold them all to first home buyers. Uh, But the last two of those homes, as we finished them, they became my first two listings. And that was my intro into the real estate business. I went on to flip, flip several other houses, but then um, I just became busy, uh, both as a real estate broker mm -hmm. uh, and an auctioneer. And we did a number of auctions throughout the area. So we've sold a little bit of everything, every possible way that you can think of it. Mm. Now, like... Uh You know, you started doing kind of like your own business and then you transitioned to real estate. What motivated you to that transition with between the restaurant and then going to real estate? Well, actually, the girl that I was dating that became my first wife, uh, her father was a real estate broker. And he's the um, he was the man that talked me into buying a restaurant, yeah. you know, signed the papers at 19 and took it over uh, uh, because it was going to be, you know, so easy. Mm -hmm. And um, that was my introduction to business. My friends went off to college. I bought a restaurant, mm. uh, but he helped uh, with the financing. It took me to bank. It was all on my shoulders, but he helped pave the way. Yeah. So um, when I was finished with the, re the real uh, restaurant, mm -hmm. uh, he had the opportunity of the, um, the condemned houses. He partnered me with a, a gentleman that was uh, retiring. He was actually mm -hmm. a, a shop teacher, Walter Spory, and um, Walter had all the construction background. I was 22 years old, so I had the the young, strong back and legs. Yeah. And between Walter and I, we did all the, re the remodeling on the homes and put them on the market and got them sold. It was a two-year project. Nice. And then, like I said, I became licensed and moved into the real estate space in sales. What do you learn when... Yeah, you were in the restaurant business that you think that some people could benefit from. That is a lot of hard work. Mm. And I think many times today, everyone looks around and they're looking for something easy to do. And, uh, you know, we all want, we want to make a nice living and we want work-life balance. That's so popular today. Well, when you're starting out in business, mm -hmm. you get to wear all the hats. And so, You're the, you're the cook, you're the accountant, uh, you're the cleanup crew, you're the maintenance mm -hmm. guy. You get to do all those things. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not really in any of the books. Mm. Uh, 
many people want to have, you know, my favorite book talks about having an entrepreneurial seizure. Mm-hmm. You know, you make great pies. You, you should start a pie business. But making a pie or making mm-hmm. a pie to turn a profit and run a business are two completely different things. And at the end of the day, it's just a lot of long days, long, hard work. And um, there's no way around that. Uh, you can't hire it just like flipping homes. You know, we were in there doing the work ourselves. If you want to buy a house and hire a contractor, uh, there's not going to be much profit at the end of the day. Yeah. Your profit, your profit is pretty much equal to the amount of labor that you put into something. Mm. You know, unless you start to scale, if you've got a big restaurant, then mm-hmm. you can start to have management and so forth. For me, I never really had that luxury. So we were in there working it every day. Wow. Do you regret buying the restaurant? No, it was a great introduction to business. It was business 101 on steroids <laughs> because I always say I dove into the deep end of the fryer and got a business education. Yeah. Do you do you think that not going to college and uh, actually go diving into having owning a restaurant for a little while uh, was better than actually like getting the formal aspect of education? You know, I, I always look back on that and, and I kind of regret having not going to college. Uh, all my friends had gone to college, uh, but it took them years to catch up to where I was in business. Mm. Uh, and very few of them took business education. And that's always, that was actually the reason I never went to college. Uh, I was an academic student all through high school. Because I thought I'd go to college. Well, the only thing that interested me at the time was electronics. I've always had an interest in computers and electronics. Uh, but that wasn't a college degree. That was a, a two-year technical school. And then I got involved with the restaurant before I kicked into any of that. The computers have always been my passion. I almost went into the uh, Air Force at that time wow. because that was the only branch of the service. When we go back roughly 45 years. They were the only people that had computers was the Air Force. And I often look back and say, gee, if I had pursued computers at that time, where would you have been the last 40 years? Because I would have been in on the ground floor. Mm. Uh, and it's still a passion of mine. It's why I do all the things that I do, because they're all wrapped around technology, which fascinates me. What about um, real estate? Caught, like got, got, your, got your attention. What, what about it? You said you saw that you were like, I, I really enjoy this. That well, you are that you keep doing it, you know, even now. Well, you know, the thing is, real estate is constantly evolving, mm-hmm. and so if you're not learning something on an ongoing basis in real estate, I think you're falling behind. Uh, just like technology, it's continually mm-hmm. changing. So, what I've been saying for the last certainly the last 15, 20 years, the most challenging thing is trying to stay current, current with the changes in the real estate market consumer trends, uh, but also how it's being paired with technology and how to bring that technology in to benefit both me and the consumer in doing a transaction. You know, something that really um, I'm curious about is what was your experience on, like, in 2008 when the market crashed and the real estate bubble just exploded? You know, how did, how did you approach that you know, time in your life? Well, you know, I had to, um, I was leading an office at that time that had 43 salespeople. Mm, so wow. 
I had 43 salespeople looking at me all the time saying, it's terrible, nothing's happening. So um, one of my mentors uh, talked about ignoring the news. And actually, my first broker used to say the same thing. He said, the great thing about housing, regardless if you lost your job, have a new job, got married, got divorced, have children, don't have children, you need a place to live. People will always need housing. And so if you watch all the markets as badly as they were hit, they've all come back. Florida got hit terribly, but they still have the same weather. They still have the beaches. They have the attraction and their numbers now are as strong as they've ever been. Uh, fortunately, Lebanon County, I wrote out 2008. I also wrote out uh, Bethlehem Steel, Alcoa, Lebanon Steel Foundry, all leaving town. And they were our major employers at one time. Mm-hmm. So what I've seen about Lebanon County, it's a very conservative area. And so we don't ride the highs and lows like many areas. Uh, you know, if we had a three or four or six percent growth in prices year over year, that was a big deal here in Lebanon County. Uh, many of the places that really got hit hard in 2008, like Las Vegas and Arizona, uh, they were running up at 15 and 20% because people were buying and moving into the sunshine, sunshine belt. Mm-hmm. They got hit the hardest. So we really had very much less value lost when the market crashed. Yeah. Lebanon County people kind of just hunker down. They just get, they just sit back and wait it out. And uh, my biggest concern for us right now in Lebanon City, particularly in the last year and a half, we've seen a tremendous growth in the price of housing. Uh, depending on the house and the day I ran the report, I saw a, re- a growth of over 20%. So we've never experienced that. And that one makes me nervous. Yeah. But now that seems to be, I wouldn't say it's cooling, but it's yeah. slowing down a bit. Uh, I always find fascinating how people who are knowledgeable like you in the, um, you know, real estate market and all the data that comes with that, how much, you know, information they have about what could happen potentially in the future. Right now, with the data that you have, what do you think, you know, what, what advice or idea would you give to people who are into maybe looking to buy a house or selling a house? I, I've been hearing a lot that this is a seller's market. Now, I personally have an issue when I hear something a lot, maybe something hides happening underneath that because there's many things that we don't look like in 2008. There's a great movie about this called The, the Big Short. That I just watched it, that again the other yeah, evening. It's a great movie, and it, it, it basically shows how everybody was like, everything's fine, everything is okay. But one guy was like, or not just one, but one, you know, they specifically focus on one character in the movie, and he realized, like, there's something not right right now. Like, everybody's like, everything is okay, but not everything is okay. So your perspective on the next three, five years, what, what do you think is going to happen? at least from data that you have? Well, I think the difference then versus now, uh, there was a lack of oversight back in 06 and 07. Uh, And some of these things are creeping back into the market right now. I haven't used any of the products, so I don't know if they're qualifying them better. Uh, But back then, they were doing what were called no-doc loans. And so you could walk in and ask for a million-dollar mortgage, and there was no documentation to back it up that you could afford it. 
the, the loan officers would say, Amari, can you afford a $12,000 a month payment? Absolutely. You got a loan. And so you heard stories of waitresses buying million dollar homes that were making, you know, hundreds of dollars a week. There was no way they could begin to make those payments. Mm. Uh, there were many loans out there that were adjustable rate mortgages, and they talk about that mm. in the movie. I don't know if I'm with those, yeah. And I remember being at a conference in California and reading the, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a longtime real estate student. So I get there and I read the real estate magazines. Well, they were offering loans that had 0% interest. Mm. Now, you were making payments based at 0% interest, but these are called negative amortization loans. So in the background, the loan is actually running at a higher rate of interest. So every month you made a payment, but the hole was getting deeper. You were more in debt, even though you made payments. Mm -hmm. And then at some point in the future, the interest rates were going to kick in and your payments were going to change. Now, the theory is that the home is going to go up in value. And so you're always going to be in an equitable position. But like they said in the movie, if, if that failure rate starts to grow, we were going to have a problem. Well, there were, and there were a number of variations on this. Uh, but when they started to fail, then the market started to come down. And when the values came down, the equity wasn't there. So people started saying, well, why would I make these payments? It's not worth the mm -hmm. value of the loan. Mm -hmm. And so it just started to snowball and accelerate. And of course, it turned into billions and billions of dollars of losses and millions of homes and people were put out of their home, millions of losses. Mm -hmm. And that inventory is still out there. There's still uh, remnants of this going on. Oh, really? Yeah, we can still see them. They're wow. not to the degree anymore. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the banks actually withheld some of them coming into the marketplace. They've been rented. Uh, there were large concerns nationwide buying huge blocks of homes that became rentals. And now that the market's moving up, they're, they're starting to drip those into the marketplace and cash out. Now, who who is the one who's getting all the benefit from this? Because somebody is getting some benefit out of it. Like, there's there's somebody out there who's like, 2008 was the best year of my life. Well, you saw in the movie there were some investors that were betting against the house, mm -hmm. uh, and they were buying equities, uh, waiting for them to fail. Uh, because, you know, eventually the real estate always has a baseline value. Mm. And so like the investor groups that are now renting these homes, well, they bought them at the bottom of the market. They bought them at a fraction of their price. And right now as real estate's moving up and moving up very well, uh, their portfolios are exploding. Now what will happen because the value is lopsided, they won't be seeing the return uh, on their dollars for the amount of equity. So they'll mm. start to sell them off. Okay. So a guy like me or a girl like, you know, my sister who's filming all of this <laughs> um, is looking to buy a house or is looking to invest in, uh, uh, you know, real estate. Would you, what would you tell them? Like, would you recommend for people to start, you know, investing or should we wait a little bit more time and then start investing in real estate? Yeah, I never, I don't, I never think waiting is a strategy when it comes to real estate. We don't know what the market's going to do, good, bad, or otherwise. But the thing I always look at, look at it today. Um, mm -hmm. 
you're you're running around four percent interest. Mm-hmm. You know, this is unheard of for this long period of time. So you're at four percent. The typical home here in the city, you could almost buy for half the cost per month that it would take to rent the house. And so it immediately puts you ahead of the game. You have money for other things, maybe to buy a car or to yeah. repair the house or do whatever you want. Uh, but you're also building equity. It's the only investment out there that you can live in. Mm. You know, if you buy a CD or a stock, <laughs> you still need to live somewhere. Yeah. So the sooner you can own your real estate, mm. um, you're actually uh, more or less securing your future. Yeah. And um, again, when the market moves up, we always look at it, with what the great appreciation is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you simply, I've done this example a number of times, a little simple rent versus buy analysis. And I can show you with no appreciation in this market mm-hmm. that um, owning the house is still a better bargain than it is if you mm-hmm. uh, were renting. Renting, you know, renting is convenient, but it doesn't grow that nest egg. And in this future that we're looking at, like for my children, mm-hmm. uh, one of their, you're going to be man- managing your own retirement at some point in the future. Yeah. So um, you need to have some investments. Well, a home is a really uh, a solid and very simple mm-hmm. one because, like I said, right now the rental market is so lopsided that buying makes a great deal. Yeah. What are the three top advice uh, that you have gotten from your mentors or mentor that you have or have had in the past? There's like three, you know. Little nuggets of wisdom that you could share right now. What would those for real be? estate? Real estate, life in general, whatever you feel like has some value Ooh. to it. So you should have emailed that. <laughs> well, you know, one of the mentors that I follow, and um, I've never been good at it, but he always talks about um, thinking big. Mm. Think bigger than what you, what, you know, like I came from a family where my father was a steel worker. Mm. And so his idea of a great job was a 40-hour week with a comfortable payment, uh, benefits, mm-hmm. medical insurance, vacation. He thought that was the job. I bought. I, I had a job like that. It lasted a year and a half. I left and bought a restaurant. He thought. He, I thought he was going to explode that day. <laughs> uh, he didn't understand it. Uh, but it's funny that both my brother and I came from that family, mm. and we both went out to be independent. Uh, contractors, uh, me in real estate, my brother is, as a cabinet maker doing mm-hmm. kitchen and bath work. So um, thinking big and, and not to the ridiculous extreme, but very often we don't think big enough to see what the possibilities are. Lebanon is a great example of that right now where I think we need to think bigger than what we see as we drive up and down Cumberland Street. There's something more that's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. The thing I've always taught my children, and I firmly believe it, is follow your passion. If you're mm-hmm. going to up, get up and go to work every day, do something that you're excited about. I've tried to instill that in my three children. And in talking with them, they're all leaders at their workplace. And they're all following a passion. So I would, I can't be happier than to look back at them. They're, they're now 40 to 32. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they're all leaders in their workplace. Uh, some days I feel badly about that because they, they really throw themselves into their job. Yeah. But I'm also proud that they, they took that away from me and, and they've gone on and followed it and they're doing things that excite them. 
Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And I think that many times, like, uh, people forget that if you don't follow your passion, like, you're going to regret that in the future. It makes it awfully hard to go to work in the morning when you just don't love what you're doing. Exactly. Like, I, you know, now I'm only focusing on my business, which is doing marketing for other businesses to increase revenue. And I just love it. You know, honestly, like, it's just fun. And, And I wake up and I know, like, Hey, I'm gonna go out there and meet a new client, or I'm gonna talk to this client that I already have, and you know, come up with ideas to you know push their their content or whatever else. So like, but I enjoy that, you know. Instead of having to go and clock in and clock out somewhere, or have to you know wake up every day realizing that I am not doing something that I, I'm genuinely passionate about. It's just heartbreak. But yet many of us many times have managed to go about life and not make a decision that could change that because we're scared, because we're afraid of, you know, potential rejection and so forth. It's not for everybody. Not everybody can can live on that edge. Yeah, and it agreed. Takes, it takes a lot of confidence to, uh, to do that or... Like me buying the restaurant, just a complete lack of any idea of what you were walking into. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, putting things into perspective sometimes, like being naive, at, there's <coughs> points that it can be beneficial because you are able to step in into something that will teach you a lesson that it, it will be valuable. And even though you don't own the restaurant now, but you got something out of it that you have taken your whole life. Right. You know, and I think that that's something that I always like to learn from and listen to people who, you know, have been into a specific type of business. Doesn't necessarily goes the best way for them, but they just, they still manage to get out of it and still go and do the thing that they're passionate about. Yeah, it's one of the four steps of growth. It's called unconscious competence. Mm. You don't know what you're doing, but you're doing it well. That's great. I've never heard that one before. Can you develop more on that? Like- well, there's um, the four steps are unconscious incompetence. Then you go to unconscious competence. And then there's, I'm going to mess it up. That's fine. Um, <laughs> we'll fix it. <laughs> then there's conscious incompetence. And then there's conscious competence. Mm-hmm. And so they're just the different steps of growth. And as you move, maybe you're doing something well and you're unaware of it. Then you start to study. And the thing I accuse a lot of people is thinking too much. They mm-hmm. overthink it and then it stops them. It stops them from progressing. And then, like me, after 40 some years in real estate, you have that conscious competence. I know what I've been there, done that. I've lived through a couple downturns. We know what we did to come through that. And you just go out and grind it out every day. And I, but with an eye towards in, innovating and doing things that are new and different to stay fresh and stay current. Nah, that's for, that's definitely true to even my own life where like there's points that I don't necessarily know what I'm doing. I just, I still step into it because I know I'm going to learn. Then I get out of that situation and I have the experience now. And I'm also able to share that with other people and say, hey, I made this mistake. You don't have to make the same mistake because I've, I've already been there. And that's why I decided to be a leader and, and start managing offices 20 years ago. Because by then I had fallen in a lot of holes. And I thought I had a greater purpose than just being a salesperson. I wanted to lead a sales team 
and and more or less leverage my experience mm-hmm. uh, with people that and, and save them from some of those pitfalls. Sales. I, I really enjoy that topic. I genuinely like love even just practicing it myself and I've done it in different occasions. But you know, when you say sales, what you know, obviously it's a it's a very broad term in some aspects of that word, but what what do you mean by by sales? Do you mean like real estate real real estate sales are the jewelry techniques only applicable in the context of real estate or are they, you know, can they be applied maybe for those people who are entrepreneurs listening to this and like they have to sell a product or a service, you know, what, what's your experience of that? Well, you know, we're all selling something at all times, you know, you're selling marketing. So, but in real estate, we're always selling ourselves. We're selling a service, but you, you're selling yourself. Why would you hire me over any of the realtors that are out there? Mm-hmm. Why would they select you for marketing over someone else that's out there? So um, I think that's where passion comes in. Uh, that helps be, you know, if, if you're excited about what you do, that transfers to the other person. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed sales. Uh, I've sold everything every possible way. Like I said, I'm also an auctioneer. So yeah. <laughs> I've started out many days, you know, with a whole house full of contents, maybe the real estate also. And you're looking out over 10 people at 8 a.m. when you're about to start and thinking, how will we ever get through this whole house of contents today? And at the end of the day, you had 200 registered bidders and you had a great day. Um, You just show up and do it. You know, showing up is 90%. Yeah. Uh, I've said for the longest time, and I I still say it, people quit too soon. Mm. Uh, And unfortunately, I see that happening around here. We're just getting some things going and then. People start to drop off and well, that didn't work just when it's about to break through and you're going to have that tipping point. So, um, you know, showing up is 90% in sales. You just show up every day. And I, my career has been nothing but getting up, showing up and, um, seeing what I can do to make something happen. I love that. Um, actually, I, I remember uh, the first, one of the first times. I met you. That's one of the things you told me. Um, you said, you know, pretty much like that. Yeah, ninety percent of it's just showing up, and then everything else will fall into place. Yeah. Um, and there's so many opportunities that I've gotten just by showing up to a event or to so like somewhere specific where I just presented myself there, and then opportunity just showed up like this, and I'm like, wow, like I came here not even realizing that this could have happened. But because I showed up, you know, something happened. And, and that's one of the advice I tell my friends many times to like ask me, like, you know, what should I do? And I'm like, honestly, man, just do what you're supposed to do. Like, you know, you have it in your head. You have that idea in your head. What's stopping you from not doing it? Well, there's something that's stopping. Everybody has something that is stopping them from taking action, you know. Mm-hmm. And figuring that out is the, it's sometimes the hard part, you know? It really is. We all have little voices that tell us, oh, you shouldn't do that. Nobody's done that before, uh, whatever it might be. But the bottom line is nobody has ever come to my house and knocked on the door and said, can we please buy a house from you? Will you please sell our home? Uh, it just hasn't happened. But I can be out in the public um, walking into my house the other evening. Someone stopped me that was just walking by and said, I see your, your 
um, active in sales again. My son needs to buy a house. He's going to be talking to you shortly. Terrific. I was just <laughs> walking into my house. Pure coincidence. Yeah. But um, if I didn't come outside, it would have never had that happen. Yeah, definitely. So it just pays to be out and about. And just like you, I bump into you everywhere. You and I get around. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's not a lot of competition when you do that because they aren't there. <laughs> not really. Um, and it's, it's, uh, um, sometimes I'm surprised. I'm like, I've, you know, I will expect more people to be present on this or that. And like, honestly, you are pretty much the one person that I constantly see. There's you and another person that I'm not, not going to mention the name, but like, you know, I always appreciate when I understand that like this person knows what they're doing because they're being present. They're showing up. They're just been there. Anything can happen, you know, you that's right. No. Yeah, and, and like Lebanon uh, PA happening is definitely a way that has even, I guess, pushed you to having to show up to different places sometimes. Well, it's been my personal mission to get out and do that. And so it doesn't necessarily push me. I'm, I'm, it's my goal. It's my passion. Yeah. So, um, the only way it's going to work is with content. And there's a lot of great content, but you need to show up and, and get it. I, I see so many groups are doing such great work and they'll put on a great event and never take a photograph. I don't understand that. So you're seeing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, yeah. I feel like I'm everybody's historian. I show up and I take the pictures. I collect the video, post something for them. Uh, I don't understand. We all have, I'm doing it with my cell phone. So it's not like you need a lot of equipment or training. You just yeah. pull it out and do it. But it makes um, it makes a world of difference. The the growth that I've had on that page in the eight months now that I'm doing it, because mm -hmm. um, I started at ground zero, I'm near 2,500 followers right now. Uh, and it's, it's a very active community. Uh, it's becoming self-sustaining. People, group members are starting to post things and share which makes it simpler for me. Oh, yeah. But my goal was simply to give a voice to a lot of the nonprofits that all have a very small voice. But when you put them all together, they're all doing such great work within our community. And I just felt we needed a community hub for all that to be so an individual doesn't have to search 20 different pages to see what's going on or to be supportive of their community. They go to one spot and everybody's reporting in there as much as I yeah. possibly can. Yeah, definitely. What 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 motivates you to you know do everything that you're doing? Like, is there anything specific, like either an idea or a vision that you have that you just feel like this is motivating me to keep going forward with this project? Well, as funny as it sounds, um, almost two and a half years ago it was October of 2018. Um, I woke up one morning. I, I knew I'd be turning 62 shortly. And um, I was looking around saying, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And so I thought, what I'd like to do is retire from my real estate management career because I've been doing that. Like I said, I've been managing agents for almost 35 years at that time mm -hmm. uh, in my brokerage or for somebody else. And in real estate, the people with the great job, the great freedom are always the sales agents. They come and go, they set their own schedule. As a manager, I'm here from nine to five. Mm. Uh, 
regardless if there's anything good or bad going on, I'm stuck here. <laughs> I wanted that freedom. And I woke up with a calling that for 40 years, I've made a living in my community. For the first 20, I was very active because I was an agent. And then for 20, I was in management. I didn't have the flexibility of my schedule. So I was, I was not that active in my community, not that I wanted. I live in Lebanon. I would drive to Hershey. So I became very disconnected from the Lebanon community. And I was driving up Cumberland Street and just thinking, what's happening? It looks like everybody's quit. And I woke up with the thought that I'm going to take some of my time and do whatever I can to um, get engaged with my community and not necessarily revitalize it, but put some spotlight on things because I, I love our town. I love some of the things about it. Everybody that in my Hershey office always knew I'd show up with caramel corn from Wurtz's. I'd show up with all the things from Lebanon. Uh, I never made the leap to living in Hershey. I just always enjoyed where I was. I love my house. My kids like the town. <coughs> so there was no point for me to move. But I actually woke up with that calling that I need to do something for my community. So I thought, well, I'll retire from this. And um, because I'm, I'm kind of structured and goal-oriented, uh, it took me a while to figure out that I actually need to devote time to this. So I took my schedule and just said, 20 hours, I'll do community service and volunteer each week. And 20, I'll work on the real estate business. And because I need a purpose when I wake up, I need a goal, a path, a purpose, something. So I made one for myself. And now I'm the happiest guy running around and showing up at, at events and um, showing properties and doing real estate and whatever comes along. But I keep it within that 20 and 20 uh, because that's that works well with my mind for getting things done. I like a task list. I like things that are done. Yeah, no, that's um, and I can see that you enjoy it and also people like even ask you to be at different places. Like, oh, hey, I get requests quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Can you please cover this here? Can you put like the people? I can see that, and that's really cool because they acknowledge you for it and they see the value behind it. And that's why they want you to be there. And I see it all the time, like people sharing, you know, what's going on, uh, you know, in Lebanon, and it's through Lebanon PA happening. And it's really been a driver that I'm getting that um, recognition uh, that people appreciate what I do. I have people stop me in the street every week. I have no idea who they are. And they just stop me and say, oh, you're doing all those videos. Keep it up. It's such a great job that you're doing. So it's real motivating to me that they appreciate it. Uh, And I knew that there was a need, I, and I really felt that this, it's the big easy button. There's no expense to it. It's the only thing I'm investing is my time and my cell minutes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so when could you ever have a platform like this and do the, do the good uh, with it? And I, I'm so tired of the negative comments and, and all the negativity on Facebook. So I wanted a, a page or a space where that wasn't, part of it and if you follow Lebanon PA happenings you'll see there's no negativity and I'm not blocking it or anything else it's just not there people don't want it and I've attracted that community uh, that are really sharing positive things and they appreciate it that's part of it you know that that's that's the key point like there's no negativity and and because you that's what you are trying to put out which is positivity and then like 
hey, this community matters. There's so much <coughs> going on here. Please. Like, if you have something going on that you feel like will bring some type of value to anybody in the community, share that through the page. And people are just sharing good content, you know, yeah. and then that's the main goal. And sometimes, you know, we, you know, when I came into Lebanon, I realized from the get-go, like, <laughs> not many people really like it around here. Well, at least at the time, the people that I was around with. And then I realize like no like this place is beautiful and there's so much like this place can give i'm not even from around here you know I'm, i wasn't born in lebanon you know and so being able to come to come here from an outsider perspective and say hey like you have a beautiful place and there's so much that can be done there's so much potential that can be developed you know I, I realize that and, and that's what I, you know, my goal has been just like you to put out that positivity out there so that people can see the beauty behind that place. Mm -hmm. Give them, give people a reason of why this, this place is, is great, you know, and not as people make it sound to be. And I understand why there's, you know, there's a whole history behind, there's a whole context that I, I'm not trying to ignore. I'm just saying, well, It's it, it's the past, you know. You can't live in the past and think you're gonna be happy, you know. Many people are just still living in the past. Like, why don't we look forward? You know, there's so much brightness to it. You know, I remember being back in those days when Bethlehem Steel was really popular and running, and we had all the jobs, and people weren't happy then. You know, they weren't happy that Bethlehem Steel was the only employer. <laughs> you know, so uh, people generally don't like what's going on. You get very comfortable with the status quo. Um, yeah. But, you know, life is always changing and you got to roll with it. Um, so you just get up and make the best of it that you can. But I look at our city and I, the architecture that we have here, if you go to Jim Thorpe, beautiful setting, same age of buildings. Mm -hmm. um, why aren't we Jim Thorpe? Go out to Deadwood, South Dakota. They did a TV series in downtown Deadwood. And I went to visit it. I arrived late at night. We got a hotel. The next morning, I went for a walk through town to see how great Deadwood would be. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the buildings, 19, or 1890, 1910. I thought, I'm in Lebanon. It was the same mm -hmm. style architecture. It was just a different location. So we have a lot to work forward from, and it's just a matter of finding the people that are willing to come downtown, start a business, take a chance, and, and improve the properties so that they can really show off the Uh, the history and the, uh, the style that they have, the architecture that they have. Mm -hmm. Lebanon is just this mid-sized city that was always, you know, it, they made changes to it in the 50s and 60s to modernize the look of the buildings, and they spoiled them in some ways. Uh, I think if you strip that off and take them back, like many buildings have been done, uh, you get back to the beauty that was Lebanon at that time. Many communities just went down the drain earlier than us. It took us longer. We did that modernization. So like a Lidditz, they didn't have to come in and rediscover their buildings. They were just sitting there underutilized. Ours take a little more work. They're bigger. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been um, altered on the front that needs to be redone. We have programs for that. So um, there's, there's a lot of work to be done, and there's no kidding that it takes money, it takes time, but we also have a lot of support and and tools and grants to help people do these things. Uh, you just need to become aware of them and take advantage of them. And like I told somebody a week ago, 
And I didn't mean it in a negative way, mm-hmm. but if you come in, discover a property, follow the rules, there is money available to you. And it's not follow the rules to do what we've always done. No, follow the guidelines of the program. It has to be a sound business model. You can't just go through a million dollars at a building and say, there, I did it. You know, everybody should love me. No, it's got to make, make sense on a financial basis. Is it big enough? Can you get the, um, enough rent from all the spaces to cover a million dollar expense? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the shame of the, uh, the farmer's market building it was beautifully done. But when I heard the money that was being sent, spent there, I said, there's no way that that building can carry that overhead. And it didn't. And so you've had two sales. It is now sold for about a third of the investment of that rehab. And now it's, it's a functional space that makes sense financially. Yeah. And now we're growing it. And it's going to be profitable for the owner. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a definitely good, good advisor. Thank you so much for saying that. Um, it always comes down to making the right buy. If you're yeah. flipping a house, if you're buying a home for yourself, make the right buy. That's great. John, if you had something to share with people, a specific message for those specifically in Lebanon, um, you know, or listening to this, what would you say to them? I would tell you to um, take a chance, stop downtown for lunch, for dinner, for any of the events. Uh, people have been putting together, including myself, a couple of years ago, putting together fun events to draw you downtown so you can see what we have to offer. And the the attendance is always disappointing, not in every event, but in many of them. Uh, follow Lebanon PA Happenies. You'll know where the things are, are occurring. Yeah. Uh, and then just show up and support them. I don't care if you show up and buy an order of French fries or uh, whatever you do, buy, yeah. buy a gift or a craft. Yeah. Uh, without your support, it doesn't matter what we do downtown. Yeah. Uh, stop in at the market. Stop in at any of the restaurants. We have many people uh, running great little businesses. And the thing that I like, they're completely unique. You want to buy a great train set or something, go to Droughts. He has an inventory unlike anywhere that you're going to go. Yeah. Uh, Go to the La Placita if you want some authentic food. Quesadillas, uh, William Penn, the Farmer's Market. They're all doing very unique things. Uh, the rolled ice cream is a lot of fun. It's fun just to go and watch that. Yeah. But you have so many great choices downtown. Parking is always a complaint. I guarantee you that most times you can pull right up and park at their front door and walk in. Yeah. Get exactly what you want. Visit Merck's. You know, we could do this all day. I could name them all. Yeah. Uh, I consider them my friends. They're businesses that I go to every day. I was in Wurtz's today. Um, if it was too busy Valentine's Day for you, we're going out. Richard's bored. He's looking for you for some business. <laughs> he still has the same great content. Yeah. So there's many great things you can do downtown. Uh, we've The great thing is a lot of these products – you can buy online. You might buy them cheaper, but you don't get the expertise of John Lux sitting there that's going to tune your bicycle and make sure it's right for you and it fits you and it, it fits your needs. He's just not trying to make a sale. He's going to sell something that suits your needs It's because that's the way he's wired. Mm-hmm. And it's true of everybody downtown. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. Why do you think events are not being uh, supported like they should be? Is there a specific reason or or is there something that can be done to, you know, help the, the you know, community in a better way in, when it comes to support? Well, 
That The answer to that is one of the reasons I made Lebanon PA happenings. The number one thing people said to me uh, in my tenure as a bid director, and I was running events, was we didn't know this was going on. Now, we'd be on the radio. We would be featured in the paper. We were on social media. Uh, people are so fragmented today in how they get their news. So I wanted to make one one spot where they could stop and get the information. Yeah, yeah. But that's the hardest thing. People are doing 10 different things. And I would actually pull people at our events and say, how did you learn about this? Or where, where do you, when they tell me they didn't know about it, I would always ask them, well, what do you look at when you're looking for something to do this weekend? Yeah. The number one answer, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> so you have to run into them with your information. And that's the hardest thing today is reaching people. Yeah. I'm a committee with the school district right now. And we had that conversation this morning. What's the best way to get information out to the parents about activities in the school and meetings. And um, if there were eight people in the room, we had eight different answers mm. because there's not one clear channel right now. Not everybody reads their email. Not everybody has a phone for a text. Not everybody's on Facebook or Instagram. They don't read the paper. They might not listen to the new, the radio. Um, it's too fragmented. Yeah. And so it's hard to get in front of them with the news. Yeah. I also think that, you know, like overall, you, you can't get everybody to go somewhere. You right. know, it's just not going to happen. You can increase the amount of people that are, that are going to attend a, you know, a specific event. Um, but you're not necessarily ever going to have like just, you know, uh, all the people. Now, also something I've, I've realized, you know, going to events here is that, and I don't mean this in any, like, I don't mean this offensively, but you always see the same people at most of the events. You it's do. the same crowd. You yeah, know, we have a real supportive core of people. Yeah, there's there's a specific crowd that it's always in, you know, events that are going on, but there's so many people who are missing out. And, and, and many times I'm trying to, like, think, like, you know, if we put things based on context and the lives of people who are around here and the population of people, you know, where, you know, where, where do they work at? What is their life telling the, in a day to day basis? What will be a good day to host events? And all of that type of, you know, topics for hour, you know, all of that. And so many times, like, and I've had this conversation before, if you find the sweet spot, Uh, of a day or time where you can have people, you know, showing up to events, you can be successful at it. Yeah. You know, but what, that's the hard part. That's you know? the hard part for sure. But um, yeah, no, thank you so much for, for being on the show, John. Um, I have one last question. If you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice, you know, whatever you want to say, you have one minute, what would you say to yourself? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know that I would do anything differently. Mm. Um, Think bigger, you yeah. know, sooner. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I really like that. Think bigger, sooner. That's yeah. great. Well, John, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Is there anywhere, anywhere specific that you want people to find you or find your content uh, you're put, uh, putting out there? Yeah, the, the easy way is on Facebook under Lebanon PA Happenings. Uh, that's where you're going to find my, I spend the majority of my time. 
Uh, I'm always hanging around the farmer's market, apparently. <laughs> so uh, it's a nice spot. It's I'm easy nice. to find there, you know. And, uh, <laughs> but you'll you'll find me roaming around that section of the city more often than not. And um, as I'm ramping up my real estate business and it's picking up, and I'm going to have um, less free time right now. I've taken on a new assignment, so that'll go on for a while. Uh, but those are easy. The, the Lebanon PA happenings will be my my center point, easy place to reach me. Perfect, perfect, awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Make sure you visit Lebanon PA happenings and you see what's going on in the community. I also ask you to whenever you can go and show up, support, and you know, uh, spend some time with your family, bring your family out to the events that are happening in downtown and more. Uh, so yeah, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Do not forget to uh, follow me on my social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, just everywhere you can find me. Go ahead and follow me. Also, go to my website, mybro.com, where you can read all the blogs that um, are being posted there from people in the community who are writing for my blog, whom I appreciate them all. And I'm looking forward to have more people in the blog. So make sure you read that for valuable content. Thank you so much and I'll see you until next time. Peace.